0: What is going on, everybody? It is your boy Caleb back again with another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Podcast. We are continuing our series of ranking the top ten players at each position. This episode, Sarge and I go through our top ten power forwards. Uh, for the most part, I had the same kind of batch of ten outside of one or two, um, but did disagree on a couple in terms of the spots. Um, but other than that, guys, I know uh, we, we're in hour 40 this time. So shaved 10 minutes off. We actually did a decent job in uh, keeping it around an hour 30 with the actual power forward side of things. Uh, but then we talked a little bit of Ben Simmons after and you know how that goes. But hour 40 audio is cleaned up this time. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back with our small forwards next week. Um, other than that, guys, I appreciate you all being here. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. All right, we're live. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Malaga Drive Hoops Podcast. It is your boy Caleb back again with my boy Sarge. We did our top ten centers last week. I feel like that went well outside of my audio shitting the bed, but we should have that covered this time. And uh, Sarge, let's try and keep it to an hour and a half. I know we get carried away, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it to about an hour and a half today. So we're back. We'll jump right into it i appreciate you being with us during fantasy football season i know you got your drafts i know football's a thing on your mind but still gotta set aside some time to talk some hoops so let's uh let's do what we did last time bro let's talk about the guys that just made the cut or just missed the cut i uh i let it off last time with with our center so you go ahead and tell me some of the some of the power forwards that just missed the cut on yours
1: Okay, do you want to go over our rankings real quick from last year? Because I have mine up. I can oh, go through it in 30 seconds. My bad. No, I,
0: I got to pull mine up too. Great. Honestly, great catch. Go, <laughs> you, right, I'll go, go through
1: mine because I have them up right now. So, last year, yeah. this is pretty crazy to look at because you got a guy. I have at 10, Paul Millsap, who's not on a roster right now. Eight or nine, I had Montrez Harrell. Eight, I had Kevin Love. Seven, I had Danilo. Six, Tobias Harris. Five, John Collins. Four, Pascal. Three, Zion two AD and one Giannis so I think the Honestly, most interesting part about mine is that there's bad. a couple guys there's a couple guys there though that you like if you don't see them on that list and you you're like you're thinking about the power forwards for next year you're like damn how how is those how is that guy not on your list but there's a couple guys that we'll talk about and and the reasons why they might not have been on my list last year but COVID year was weird man and it's I guess this was before the COVID year, but there was the, even the year before that a lot of weird stuff happened, no, like with the Golden State this Warriors was, and, and Draymond. This was
0: the COVID year, bro, because we yeah. did this. We did this after COVID stopped. You're so, right, 100. Right. Um, yes, yeah, this was the COVID year.
1: So there was weird things right. going on, like
0: like the Golden State Warriors
1: had weird stuff with Draymond.
0: A couple oh, guys yeah, hadn't broken, them all.
1: broken out yet, but just, <laughs> it was a weird year. I,
0: I, if I was super nice at editing, bro, I would literally, I would go back and I would play, like, the top sound bites from you talking about Draymond Green on why he wasn't 10. But <laughs> re- re- regardless, uh, I'll give my 10. And, and similarly to yours, uh, a couple old heads in there that really fell off a cliff really since we did it. Dude, I'm I'm trying to find mine. It's coming any second now. Um, but 10. All right. 10. I had Blake, guy who fell off. Jaron Jackson nine, Draymond eight, Millsap seven. And I I, I want to say he was good at this point for Denver. He was really solid defensively, stretched the floor, and then This was kind of the year where you see different vets fall off at different times of their career. Last year was the drop-off point for him. Uh, Six, Tobias Harris. Five, Mike Danilo Gallinari. Four, Zion Williamson. Three, Pascal. Two, AD. One, Giannis. Um, And for those of you that maybe didn't tune in last time or missed it, we are ranking these going into next year. For me personally, it's how much this player wins basketball, helps you win basketball games. It's not the most skilled. It's not the most – Uh, not the best offensively it is if we are going into next year picking power forwards for our team this is the order in which i'd pick them and we'll obviously get into explaining why that is but there's going to be certain guys that maybe are a little bit more offensively skilled but find themselves at the bottom of the list uh and vice versa but that's what that's the criteria i think for me i I think it's pretty similar for you yeah same thing okay Cool. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, bro, hit me with uh, a couple guys that just missed the cut for you. All
1: right. So a couple of guys five. that, yeah, a couple guys that missed the cut for me. And this is, I was even like thinking about Blake Griffin because I thought he had a pretty good year for the Brooklyn Nets. And I totally. guess he played more of a center role, but his true position in his power forward, is he, Yeah. Just like, and to get this out of the way too for the audiences, no KD for us. I know he played a, uh, a majority or of the minutes this year at, at power forward. JT played sixty percent small forward and like thirty eight or something power forward. But mm-hmm. those are just guys that we think of as small forwards,
0: and they've been threes their whole life. You know, they've been threes and their whole life. Just because the team situation pushes them into the four at times doesn't mean that we're gonna go and say now they're fours moving forward
1: exactly and like there's a lot of centers that can play four too so you just you have yeah. to kind of create that there can't really be a gray area so for us kd is is, totally. is a three and jason tatum is a three but blake griffin i ha- i was thinking about mpj also yeah mpj also small forward um he would be on my mm-hmm. list no doubt uh kevin love i still was was thinking about it's really tough to kind of gauge where he's at um aaron gordon you- was
0: real quick I don't want to spend too much time on Kevin Love but I put out a poll the other day is Kevin Love all the way washed up yes no I'm not sure and it was it was pretty damn close to like 33% all the way around is he washed up or is he just not really feeling it in Cleveland anymore or both it's super hard to tell because
1: a he doesn't play right last year he didn't play rarely played when he did play a lot of the games he was playing like 10 minutes in the they said he's on a 10 minute limit which you never hear <laughs> of he would play like eight minutes in the first quarter come in play two minutes in the second quarter and then just go out of the game and in the minutes that he was playing he just didn't care he'd get the ball chuck it up throw it who cares you know what i mean he wasn't and even playing basketball and defense exactly he wasn't even playing he was he was looking at the crowd yeah. getting a cup of water on the sidelines he wasn't playing defense so and he's no longer elite rebounder, Kevin uh Kevin Love. Like he used to be a guy that was pulling down 20 boards a game in Minnesota. His game is just completely turned around. So it's really hard to tell. But I think if you put him out there on a basketball court, he's such an elite three-point shooter for his position. I, I just think he will be he would be a positive on the court um for a team. Like if you put him on the Lakers next to like a LeBron situation and, and yeah. stuff like that, he he would be a a really good power forward, but um it's just kind of like how I'm going right now it's really hard to tell and I can't give an answer on
0: that I think it's a similar situation to, to Blake you know where it's like in the in the situation he's in what he he they can't really maximize him he's playing with a bunch of youngins who are still kind of figuring out you know how to play winning basketball and you can tell I mean obviously he had that clip last year where he was so frustrated he he chucked the ball on the inbounds like in the middle of the game and so but at the same time like he's getting paid so much damn money that i i don't think like he'd he'd have to give up a lot of money to get bought out uh, and he already said he won't do it he just he's not doing it he's leaving too much money on the table so it's weird like is there a version of kevin love in there that's still can help a contender sure but i don't think we'll see that version in cleveland and it doesn't look like. I mean, no team's going to trade for him considering that contract. And it doesn't seem like he's going to give up the money to make him a bio candidate. So tr- we'll see. And, but
1: and truly, I don't think he cares. I, I don't think if he really cared about winning back, he's got so much damn money. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need the nineteen million. Yeah. I mean, unless he's Allen Iverson with his money. It's or easy for us to say, but yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't need that he's money. Right? If he really money. cared about plenty. basketball and winning ships and legacy and stuff. That's an easy buyout for him go playing a contender. I just don't think he cares. I think he's over basketball, really, in a sense. Not over it. I mean, we don't know, but like if he's not gonna get yeah, bought yeah. out and continue to do what he does, he doesn't care, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but okay. he was yeah, one of I'm them. With you.
1: Um, another one that just missed for me. I even thought about Lori. I was never gonna put him in there, but Jaron Jackson as well. He's more of a yeah. center now, I think, with J Val gone. I think that's the plan with him. Um, but he's yeah. more of
0: a four in my eyes. Um, and that's Uh, about it. Danilo too. Jaron, uh, Danilo. I think, uh, honestly, this might be a hot take. I I got Jay Crowder just missing the cut. I think he's been really, really good last year with Phoenix and Miami. If you're trying to win basketball games, sign me up for Jay Crowder at the four defend. You've seen him take on tough ass assignments. Um, Gallo, Jaron, uh, didn't make it. I got to show some love to HB. Um, he's been primarily a four now in in Sacramento. Um, and then uh, I, I really like P.J. Washington. I know he played a lot of five last year. I feel like that was out of necessity. Um, but I really like his skill set. Not quite there yet, but he would – he's on the cusp of you I can throw miles bridges years.
1: in there too almost a 50 40 totally. 90 year for miles bridges totally. too and he's i was looking up the percentages he played over 80 percent power forward for that <sighs> team as well so another guy you can throw in there at uh, the power totally. forward position that could have a big year i know they just signed um who who'd they just sign? um uh why am i blanking that's gonna uh, hurt his Kelly minutes Eller. a little bit Kelly Kelly, U- Kelly Oubre will hurt hurt his minutes a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I, the talent that-
0: is is ridiculous there. I, I really love Miles Bridges too. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's jump into it, bro. Give me your ten. All right, so my the uh, one. Sarge <laughs> so year- texted me that he couldn't figure out ten. So there's a lot of pressure on ten. Bless you. <laughs>
1: I sneezed and muted. But all right, so I was my gonna 10- say, why did I not hear that since? <laughs> All right, <laughs> my ten is 10. Harrison Barnes, who you just
0: no way. yes who you no wonder mentioned. you gave me a cheeky little smile when i said his name yeah i thought you were just giving me shit because he's an actual warrior but that makes a lot of sense i no. love that. so
1: for me i could not think of a 10 me and caleb have been texting back and forth all day um like we usually do but i was just like i can't think of a 10 like i literally i mean it's not that i can't think of a 10 i literally just couldn't Put someone, I was like, ah, do I want Gallo at 10? Eh, do I want this? And I was like, right. you know who I should give some love, man? Is Harrison Barnes. The guy is 29 years old. He led the NBA in minutes last year. He stayed <laughs> completely healthy, um, 50, 40, 80 here for him. Um, really led that team. I looked at the on off splits for him too. Um, and he was plus seven in terms of. Uh, when he was on the court versus off the court for Sacramento on offense. Um, And then defense was basically the same. So Harrison Barnes was a huge, huge piece of that Sacramento team. And people kind of think of Sacramento as, as, you know, a trash team, and they didn't win many games last year. But they were kind of in the hunt uh, for a play-in spot towards the end of the year. And Harrison Barnes was a big reason for that. I think if you put him in a different situation, um, the numbers are going to be similar. He's just going to look a lot better. Uh, just because he's on a team that's very young uh, with not a ton of experience. And he's a guy who's been there um, and done that. And I think Harrison Barnes is, is completely underrated, especially for yeah. like his minutes that he played, uh, the veteran impact that he has. And the numbers are really good for him this year. So I got to give some Harrison Barnes or Harrison Barnes some love. and And I just think – he could be very valuable for a team uh, if you put him in a different situation. He was even valuable for the Kings. He,
0: he was valuable last year. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. He, right on the cusp for me, um, and he's honestly he's come such a long way from his Golden State Warriors days. I, I want to say, you know, before I was frustrated with him when he was here. I think part of it was he missed some huge wide open shots in the finals and the playoffs, but. Uh, he's really come a long way as one, just more consistent as a knockdown shooter. Uh, but you can go to him. He has this face-up game that is kind of rare. Um, and that's why I think he has some – that's why I think he's a, a four now as opposed to a three. He's got a really good face-up game. Um, and just a vet leader, always makes the right play. You can stick him – it's not like an elite defender, but you can stick him on the other team's best wing and feel like okay – grinder you, you know luke walton's gonna grind every single guy that he has for 35 plus minutes because he's fighting for his life but uh like you said was just so consistent luke walton always felt comfortable with him could go to him um and have that that presence so yeah I, i'm with you bro just missed the cut for me but um, i'm curious almost, now who who you don't have that i don't have
1: and i, almost, I have guess it's
0: my probably my ten, but yeah go ahead.
1: almost 63 true shooting for harrison barnes this year which is which from last year, sorry, which is incredible. Um, Yeah, And it's tough to like kind of gauge his defense at this point because they're so bad on defense. Like historically one of the worst teams along with Portland last year ever on defense, it was just so bad. So it's really hard to see his impact on defense, but he's always been a above average defender. So I think similar to what I said earlier, if you put him on a different team, he's going to be able
0: to defend for you. For sure. If you have a, a team that's completely disconnected, you can have one good defender. It's really not going to make that much of a difference because it yeah. just takes one breakdown. All right, I'll go to my number 10, and I have a feeling this is probably who you don't – actually, it might be my number nine, but I want Aaron Gordon as my 10. Um, I think we saw – really – we we just saw him in Orlando, you know, and I, for a really long time, and I think that's what's been the toughest thing with, you know, rating Vucevic gordon fournier all those guys who you don't really, we haven't really seen him in a different context and we finally saw him in denver in which in a context which i think fits him to be his best self in terms of a guy who is going to be a defensive stopper both on ball and a disruptor in the passing lanes and a really really lethal cutter because when you one he's he's so quick so he can make these cuts and then if you find him in there he's a really really good finisher not just dunking like he will go up and and finish through contact without even having to dunk it he hasn't shot the ball super well really his whole career and his shots a little funky but he's at the point now where I really do think if he's taking if all his threes are wide open corner threes or wing threes I feel okay with him taking those shots Um, the only thing with him is just the health which is weird like he grew up in San Jose dude was Like everyone was going to see his games when he was growing up here, and he and he's a freak of nature just in terms of his body, but for some reason just can't stay healthy. I know we talked about it on pods before. Like even when he got to Denver, uh, and we're like, okay, like Orlando was kind of limiting him because they didn't want him to get hurt, and he thought he was going to kind of be unleashed in Denver, Um, despite not really having any more injuries, he they still kept him to twenty seven. 26 games a night and you talked about it and and so we'll see it's going to be hard for him to stay here if if he's capped at that 25 26 27 minutes a night but i'd hope with a whole offseason with no jamal he he can kind of they can they can put more on his plate than what he had towards the end of the year and really be that perfect slasher and defender around yoke who can hit wide open threes um that's why that's why i have him at my ten.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because he was drafted to kind of be a superstar, right? He was drafted to be one of those elite Before. athletes that um, had a huge, huge upside. And it's just the, – the health, I think, is the main reason why it hasn't panned out. But just totally. shot-creating, I think, is a second thing. He just – he's never been able totally. to create his own shot um, at really an above-average level. Yeah, at, a, at an above-average yeah. level, which is his main problem. So he's turned into this defensive stud role player, which – Denver is the perfect position for him next to Jokic. He was I mentioned him. You 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 probably it probably just went right over. I I mentioned him as my uh, maybe I didn't um, as one of my guys that just missed a cut for me, but just not an elite enough playmaker. Like one of the reasons Draymond is so good is he's incredible on defense and he's an elite playmaker on offense. Where Aaron Gordon's good on defense, but the playmaking just isn't there for me. He's a good spot-up shooter. I think at this point I'd rather have Harrison Barnes um than him next year
0: in, in my opinion. But That's fair. um I think Aaron Gordon I, is a slightly he's better a decent defender creator. I don't I I don't okay. think he's Draymond. I don't think he's Draymond. And again, part of it might be because in Orlando they, you know, when people went down, he was asked to have a ball a lot more and He was running point, legitimately assists. running point. Right. Right. And so that might be part of it, you know, why I think that, but I think he has some creation in him. He that's just not really his role anymore. And it and like Jokic is a much better obviously creator. Um, but I, I feel like if I have him as my four, I I have a lockdown defender who I feel okay with shooting the threes. Um and and he gives a lot cutting to the basket. So obviously you have to find have someone who can find him on those cuts. But I think I yeah I take a slight edge over HB just because of the. The defense but HB definitely a much better offensive player and, and I could totally see the argument because he's not bad on defense either um so he just missed the cut through that yeah. may, that makes sense I think we're probably going to be spot on with the, these last nine um but we'll see bro you want me to get my nine yeah you go nine first uh all right let's go I went with Jeremy Grant with <laughs> okay. Jeremy Grant thought he was my nine he, as well okay here we're starting off locked in bro um, and I, I remember both NBA fans and you and I kind of like looked at each other a little funny when he got cashed out by Detroit. And I think the main reason why was that money was that of which you give to someone who can really, maybe not your 1A superstar level, but like up there going to give the ball to a lot. And we just didn't know if he could handle that load. And I think all things considered, obviously he broke down a little bit towards the end of the year, still wasn't super efficient. But uh, I honestly think he did about as good as he could have in that role last year. It's it's a huge jump when you're going from, you know, you're playing next to Jokic and Jamal and you can kind of pick and choose your spots when they go to the bench or when they're tired and the defensive attention isn't on you. And it's another thing when you are the focal point. And he definitely felt that last year, um, but I have him here because, uh i just think you can go to him as a pretty again not as your number one on a good team but i think you can go to him as a two third on a really really good team uh, he can create his own shot which is r- really weird we haven't seen a guy go from like pure role like this guy was a pure role player on okc right like would never think to create his own shot to just now, oh, shit, like he has he, some self-creation tools.
1: He was a pure, pure role player on Denver, too. That was one of the reasons why people were surprised when he got that deal because he wasn't a guy that was starting night in, night out. He was coming off the bench during games. Millsap was starting. Um, yeah. so and before MPJ got there, he was starting a little bit at a three, but for the most part, he was a role player. Like when you have Jokic on your team, that dude was just strictly a role player. So you didn't get to unlock his capabilities, I think. But Denver probably saw him in practice and saw what he was doing. Maybe like against Jokic and stuff, or like this guy can really create his own shot. This guy's yeah. a lot better than I think and, most people realize.
0: And you saw it like at, towards the second half of the year in Denver, he like, they weren't going to ISO him like all the time, but like, in certain situations, he would go create and and go get a bucket for himself, which is not really you know. There's a couple guys on here that you can do that, and that's why they're on this list. But there's not really many fours in this league that you you know feel comfortable letting that happen, and and he's one of them. And so can shoot it again. I I, I don't I know the the efficiency isn't great, but again, I really do think hit, It's harder for someone in his role to be efficient when you were. The focal point. Everyone knows you're the number one guy. Defenses are scheming more so for you, and so I, you know, and more I, than I'm half of his shots, more than
1: half of his shots now too are coming from three.
0: Like I, I, I let me yeah. look, but
1: I. So he shot, he shot 11 twos a game and six threes. So yeah, more, the majority of his shots now are coming yeah. from three, and it's hard to be really efficient um, when that's happening. But um, totally. you also have to think who, who he was playing next to in Detroit, right? You got Plumlee, who it makes really tough. Um, when you're trying to create, when you got Miles down there and he's good in, in his role, but Amazing. spacing wise, you got Killian Hayes who can't shoot and was really struggling like he was on a bad team, like and just really tough guys around him that aren't to his level. He was by far the best player on that team and he was still able to put up really good numbers. Sadiq then you May. have, yeah, Sadiq Bay was probably the second best player, <laughs> oh, no. but. Then you you go and, and and the second half of the year he was playing every other game they were resting him it was yeah. a shit show there in Detroit in the second half of the year so a full year under his belt next year next to next to a better creator um, in Cade Cunningham Plumlee isn't there now um, I just think he's going to have another really big year and I think you'll see it this year as long as they don't go into take mode again
0: Yep I'm with you Who uh, so we both had same nine Yeah same we, nine uh, I'll go. I'll,
1: I'll go into my eight, and I think this is going to surprise some people, and I think you and me are going to be very far off on this guy um, because I don't like that – I'm not huge. I'm not high on this guy. <laughs> oh, 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 I know. Yeah. So it's going to be Pascal Siakam for me. and I didn't know who was it. Oh, my
0: God. All right. Yeah, we are yeah, far and that's off. An,
1: yeah, that's an extremely hot take. Um, so Pascal Siakam we this need year more 21,
0: takes on here, bro. I love it. 21,
1: 7, 4.5, a, a steal, almost a block, 45 from the field, 29 from three, 82 from the line. Okay, numbers, honestly. Um, I just don't think Pascal Siakam is as mm. good as people um really make him out to be. And I think some of the reason for his success was being around really good veterans in Kawhi Leonard uh in Kyle Lowry last year you didn't see that and he and he really struggled it was a weird year for Toronto don't get me wrong Fred Van Fleet struggled from with efficiency but i'm not placing all this emphasis on last year i just am not fully invested um in Pascal Siakam i don't think he's a go-to scorer at all i don't think he's a creator at all um i don't really trust him with the ball in his hands at the end of the shot clock i think he's an okay defender i don't think he's elite um I don't know. You can come at me the other way, right. but I'm just not yeah. that high on Pascal. I'm gonna so push. Them. I'm back sure you a have little him little.
0: five or four. I'm I'm four. I'm four. Um. So where to start with Pascal? So I think first. thing, so so is you. Why, so you would take. So you would take Pascal Siakam over Draymond Green next year. I would. I would just just because that offense, bro. You. I mean, actually, you do know where Dre's offense is. You do. I have seen Draymond Green up way too many wide open threes but Draymond's fine we, we don't need to get too far but all right I'm going to push back on a couple things one I think why the the floor is so high for me is I think I'm, I'm a lot higher on him as a defender um okay. and again there's no no perfect stats I think he's a very very good defender he's 14th in defensive real defensive plus minus over the, the last 3 seasons again you know, the, it's hard to, to get a stat that really tells the full story. But I, I, I think that's one thing why I have him a lot higher. I think he's a good defender, both on ball and help side as a four. You know, there's not that many fours that you can look at and be like, that's a really good defender. You have Giannis, AD, and Dre, and then it's a huge drop off. I think Pascal's behind them and then a huge drop off behind him. Um, And I agree, bro. I think we've seen it. We've, we've really seen it. He's not a guy that you can go to as your number one option and i think we are both in full agreement but i also don't think there's very many guys on this list that you can really do that with um even some of the guys who are really good offensively i feel like are playing next to better offensive players that helped open their games and help them create better shots i feel like pascal last year and you touched on it raptors were a shit show i feel like Pascal, the, the shots he had to take were tough, and they were just asking him to take these tough shots. And even in a pretty shit-down year, I know the efficiency wasn't great. I think, again, that goes hand-in-hand hand with um, what you were talking about with, with the shit show that was the Raptors. Um, what, what, do you have his averages on hand? 21-7-4, and four, right? So he has some playmaking. He's good on the boards. And, again, if you're going to him as the number one option offensively, I don't like it. But if he's your second option offensively, <clears throat> I'm not mad about it. And I think I think it, because he was thrust in that number – because Kyle Lowry is not this number one offensive guy anymore. Fred Van Vliet is good. I like Fred Van Vliet, but he was injured a ton. And I still don't think he's the guy. He's too small to consistent and, and not athletic enough to consistently go to him. So they said go to Pascal. And, and obviously, you know, he's not that number one guy. But I do think – that the power forward position in general is just not that strong. And so in his own role, I'll take him over only three guys I'd take over. Um, would you take what, him what number I guess one?
1: You'd... Would you take him number one on that team? Would you take him over OG and Anobi?
0: I know they play uh, different
1: positions, but are you taking like if you had a t- if you were going like the Toronto like to Raptors and you had to go in the next year tough. with one guy? I would go OG over yeah. him. And I think OG is a better him. defender and a better shot creator and a better just Why do overall. you think he's a better shot creator? I just think he is. I think the the shot percentages are better with OG. He's a better three-point shooter and he's a better shooter off the dribble in my opinion. I think he gets to his spots better, better than Pascal Siakam. No way,
0: bro. Yeah. There is no I and you know I love OG, but yeah. OG's not a a shot creator. I mean, he's developed. He's not, developed a he's not bit. but neither is Pascal. Uh, Pascal. I mean, we we're getting a little carried away, bro. Twenty-one points. Like they, they, go to him for a reason, and and he missed plenty of times. I know we watched games where, especially last year in the bubble, that Boston series was horrific. But like, I've seen that skill set, and you go to him in the block. You have, in my eyes, have a much better chance of scoring than and- going to OG in the
1: block. And I think that Boston series is something that I probably get caught up on a little bit because I, we were both locked into that series, right? And he, he was just terrible. So he was terrible. Bad.
0: I'm not and, denying.
1: And that was the first big stage for me to watch him play um, without those guys. He still had Lowry in the, in those games too, and he was just terrible. And for me, it totally. was like I can't put too much emphasis on it, but it was a big thing for me where I was like, "Wow, this guy just I don't know if he's just having an off couple." If, an off series, but he was just atrocious and, and couldn't get anything going. And then I watched it this year. He wasn't great in the minutes he played. Um So this is a, a big year, I guess for me and, um and Pascal Siakam and watching really what he can do because they're not going to tank next year. I don't think they got their guy. And I think they're right back on track to trying to win basketball games. So
0: totally, he also has the same birthday as me, but I, yeah, I, I just think I'm, I'm higher Look, at the end of the day, he, he averaged 21 points. They trust they trust him. I've seen him go to work in the post plenty of times. He's had some stinkers, namely that, that Celtic series was really bad, but I can't say that that series defines who he is. I've seen him win a title. I know that was next to Kawhi. I know all that. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the defense, and I think on a team where he doesn't have to be the go-to guy, where there's not pressure on him but hey, you have to be our score night in, night out. I think he can be really, really good. Um, so I, I have him for, bro. And that, I think that'll probably be our biggest disagreement, not only on this one, but uh, I think in general. But I, I get your points. I do. And, and he isn't a number one guy for me. But I, again, I don't think there's really, besides Giannis and AD and Zion, I don't think there's a number one scorer on this list. Maybe random, but I don't even think he's a number one scorer either.
1: No, he's, um, he's, he's not a number one scorer for me, but there's, yeah. I think there's number two scores that I would still take over him, which we will get to, which is a
0: fair point. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will take Pascal as a number two sport, but um, who was your eight? All right. Uh, my eight is John Collins. Um, And I got to hand it to you, bro. You know, coming into last year, I remember that was, that was one, not necessarily that we disagreed. I think I had him outside, but you saw it before I did. And I, I've always, you know, I've, I've saw, the I've seen the efficiency. I knew he was efficient, but I just was like, he hasn't shown me really a lick of defense. Um, the the efficiency is never like going to John Collins to get you a bucket. It's a byproduct of him being wide open on a lot of plays. But this year definitely changed my perspective on him, and I think, I think it, to be honest, it changed the Hawks' perspective on him. I think if they were sold coming into this year, they would have locked him up coming into this year and not risked it at all that you could. They didn't agree on it coming in. And then he comes in this year and just has a monster year, both efficiency-wise, defensively. He's still not like an elite defender, but he's more than passable. And he was so – another thing that we don't talk about enough is just like availability. He was there every single night for a team that needed him on a team that Trey Young missed time, Bogey missed time, DeAndre Hunter uh, missed time, Cam Reddish missed time, Capella, who was honestly still pretty healthy. He missed time. I don't know if John Collins – he might have missed like one or two or three games, but so consistent. Uh, he's really the ideal four in today's league where he's a great rim runner. runner. He can also shoot and stretch the floor. He rebounds well for his size, despite being a little undersized. Um, and, and he's just, you can, you can tell there were times before where especially when there was a weird rumor where he's like, I want the ball more. Uh, Whereas like, I don't know, is this guy more of a numbers guy? But completely killed that narrative this year, was huge for this Hawks team, and I, I feel very safe putting him in at eight.
1: Yeah, I have him at seven, so he's just one spot um, above for me. And this was the area that I really struggled on, was five through uh, through seven, even eight, <clears throat> even Pascal too. Like, I'm not going to tell you that Pascal was weight. Like, I struggled putting him five through eight. Like, it was really tough to gauge where I wanted to get some of these guys. Yeah. Um, John Collins ended up falling, uh, two seven for me. I think he's a guy though, where if you separated him from Trey young, Trey young, of course helps him. Trey Young makes everyone around him better. But if he was like, let's say you put him in Julius Randle's shoes in, in New York, and he was able to get that same volume and, and kind of create the same way. Julius Randle is he's going to have huge numbers in my opinion, and maybe the efficiency goes down a bit, but I really like John Collins. He's actually developed into sort of a rim protector. I think the block numbers aren't as high as they really would be because he does play on the perimeter a lot. I think it was probably a, a block a game, but he does have great athleticism can jump really high, has decent instincts and can block, block shots when he's down there um, and playing a little bit of five. So, I really like John Collins, man. You look at the straight efficiency numbers too. Um, for John Collins, 50, almost 56% from the field, 40% from three, 83 from the line. Um, guy was really consistent, uh, made a lot of shots that I was like, damn, John Collins is, is developed a ton. Like he wasn't making those shots in the beginning of his career. He wasn't even really a shooter coming out of college. Like
0: he no, could space yeah.
1: the floor. That was one of the upsides with him, but he is truly developed into an elite power forward three-point shooter like 40 percent is that's like the cusp so, of, of becoming elite from three so for me um john collins yeah. is it yeah and he's he's not like a shot. like he's not going to go get his own shot but if he catches the ball in the perimeter he yeah. can rip through and go to the hole a little bit so john collins i think is a, is i think an underrated four stone elite he just got paid max so he's not
0: underrated anymore but yeah, the guy had an top. absolute monster monster year no, I'm with you. I think the only thing is like I I don't ever see him developing I could be dead wrong, he's still really, really young. I don't ever see him developing into this ISO guy where you give him those type of touches, but he doesn't have to be to be really, really good. And we saw that last year. Um I, he's not he's not a playmaker, like he's not a good passer, he doesn't really
1: create his own yeah, shots, he's not so. gonna
0: create his own shot, yeah.
1: But he's um, elite
0: shooting the basketball. It's kind of a weird, exactly. you know, in-between. If it, why wide open, you can't leave him wide open, right? And uh, we saw just how valuable that is. That gives Trey Young space. That gives all these guys space, even when you have Clint Capella out there. Because John Collins can sit in the corner and you can't leave him. Um, all right, I think we're going to be pretty locked in. from. I, I Obviously, the Pascal thing throws it off a little bit, but I think my seven is going to be your six and so on and so on. Um, yeah. That. Let's move. Let's move it forward. You go ahead and give me your seven, six. Because oh, I just went. I'm gonna give you my seven. seven. Yeah, you give me, give me your my seven. seven. My bad. Uh, my seven is Toby, Tobias Harris. Uh, is he your six? Okay, we'll get there. Actually, no. Just tell me where he's at. He's there. my five,
1: and okay, I'll get to it when I get there. But I'll take him over. Uh, who I have at six?
0: No, I which know is Julius Randall. Randall. Yeah, he's my six. Uh, but let's let's talk about Tobias for now. Toby is uh yeah, I mean I've talked about it a lot right I one first off we got to say he had an amazing year this year unbelievably efficient right my see I'm struggling to, to to decide whether we talk about the good or the bad first we'll talk about the good first unbelievable season this year shooting the ball 50% from the field 40% from three from great at the line was an all-star uh and and really is a Beautiful fit in in Philly next to Joel, right? He can he can kind of be that secondary scorer when when Joel is off the floor. He can space up and spot up and space the floor when when they're going through Joel. He's got a mid range jumper. He's got the three. He can score in the paint a little bit. Decent enough passer too. Like people don't realize he averaged all, close to four assists a game. Um, really is a great role playing for. My thing is just the playoffs. I've seen him so many times in the playoffs not be able to be who he is in the regular season. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's schemes. I would assume it's a little bit mental. Like if Tobias Harris is who he was in the regular season in the playoffs last year, they beat the Atlanta Hawks. And in general, this is crazy, bro. Guess what the percentage difference is in true shooting for him in his playoff career and regular season career. True shooting. 6%. I'm assuming it's huge. 30 he shoots 30% worse his true shooting is 30% worse in the playoffs than it is there's no way that's how many games (laughs) is that I'm not joking there's two there's two guys that have 30% difference it's him and Bojan Bogdanovich. um and it's it's crazy bro it's like I feel like and obviously you know it's a little bit of confirmation bias or whatever but I feel like every time I've seen him have a chance to hit a big shot or they need some. Not even just on Philly. When he was on the Clippers too, he he just doesn't hit it, and I I don't know what it is. Um, so I can't put him ahead of the, the guys I have ahead. Naming we'll go through Julius later. Um, but Julius uh, an incredible playoff performance this year, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he was god awful, and we'll get there. We'll get there. But I I love I love Tobias. I just think he's, and I, I actually know he's. Uh, better suited for that secondary role, which is fine. Watch why I have him here. Defense, he's not an amazing defender, but he's gotten to the point where, like, he can be a part of a good defense and not be a a whole. Um, And, yeah, just just a really good role player that can fit in where you need him to be. Uh, I just go, Julius, a little bit ahead of him, um, but we'll talk about that later. What are your thoughts on Toby? Well, the lady above me that has a barking dog just
1: got furious, slammed the door shut. She probably can hear me talking because I have the windows <laughs> open. But um, the lady upstairs does not like Tobias. Sorry, lady above. Uh, but so for me, Tobias, are you, am I talking about Tobias? We're talking about Tobias, yeah. Okay, well, so for, we can
0: kind of mash this into Tobias versus Julius thing, but just give your original Toby thoughts.
1: Okay, so for me, and, and I posted this um, on Twitter and just said, Who would you guys rather have, Julius or Tobias? And it was pretty overwhelming with Julius Randle. Um, It wasn't Mm. close. I mean, Julius Randle had an absolute monster year. Like, the numbers were just out of control. Um, But for me, Tobias Harris is a guy. He's 1% from three and 1% from free throw line for being a 50-40-90 guy, which is, like, the peak of efficiency in the NBA. Yeah, he's one he
0: percent he from the <laughs> no,
1: That would be very wasn't. good. He was one percent um, away in each category, which is ridiculous. That's like the peak of efficiency in the NBA. Um, and then Tobias has always been a good defender. I, I, I know Philly's a great team defender, but I mean, team defense, and you got Joel and Ben, who are two of the best defenders in the league next to him. And I think that kind of and Thiebel. Yeah, and you got Thiebel, and it kind of you know, like he just kind of vanishes on defense for that reason, but he is a good defender. He's a good one-on-one defender. Um, but I like Tobias Harris a lot. He's a guy who can go and create his own shot. He's had some monster games last year where he was just taking over at the end, scored like 35 when Joel would miss. He had big games. The reason I have him ahead of Julius Randall is because I trust going to Tobias Harris more, both on defense and on offense. Um than, than Julius Randle. And I don't know. Tobias has been awful in the playoffs, but Julius Randle too just had one of the worst playoff performances I've ever watched. So for me, yes, both of them are negative in terms of playoff performances, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I just think for me, I would so, take Tobias on both ends of the floor. That's fair. Um and I think I, I think and 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 that may sound crazy, but I really do think the majority of of Julius Randle's success last year was from just straight usage and straight just volume. Like the guy got up so many shots, he played at the same usage rate as Nikola Jokic. The advanced stats are not good in the playoffs when he was on the court. What do you mean by advanced stats? Just like so I can just, be
0: quick.
1: Like if you look you, at his you... PR which you hate. Him and Jokic played the same usage rate, right? They took just about yeah. the same shots. They were involved in their offenses the about about the same. His PR was twenty. Jokic's was over thirty. Like people Jokic are legitimately is, is
0: that much better than him? I well, I, would say.
1: I agree, but that's a humongous difference. Like if, if people are talking Julius I think Randall's Jokic's numbers,
0: humongously better than him. Well, I, do. I do too. I
1: do too. But <laughs> I just, I, I just think people think Julius Randle's numbers are ridiculous, and they really like he just has such a high usage, and he's he's turning the ball over almost four times a game. I'm sure he has six assists. Great. But well, the guy's turning the ball over like crazy. He shot ridiculous from three. The guy jumped from like twenty-eight percent to forty percent.
0: Forty percent, bro, on crazy ass usage. I think. And okay, then, so my thing.
1: Okay. And go then ahead. last thing on Julius, and then you can go off. But
0: the no, thing we're with Julius Randall going back and forth on Julius
1: in in, in the playoffs. Five minutes, I watched him as the number one guy in a huge situation where a game plan was tailored towards Julius Randall and he was completely awful, couldn't create his own shot. His assist went completely out the window. He couldn't pass the ball anywhere uh, anymore somehow. Couldn't shoot, couldn't make shots, was bricking balls off the side of the backboard. Uh, Just the one situation where he was the number one guy, he was still getting the volume, but
0: teams were planning for him. It was awful. I I think, and I can't deny that. We were watching it it, and he wasn't good. But going back to what you were saying on the usage thing, I almost think it's, this might be a hot take to you, but I'm going to try and explain what what my thoughts are like in a way that makes sense. I think it's almost more impressive that he had that volume for that amount of minutes for basically the whole year. And he was able to still shoot 41%, still shoot 45%. Like it's, it's a lot. And again, I know teams aren't everything, but if you go look at the difference in, Toughness of shots for Julius Randle last year and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris had significantly easier looks. And I'm not saying every look was easy. And I'm not saying Tobias didn't make tough shots, but I, I I think one in the playoffs for Julius, he had to be he obviously, I don't know if Julius is a, a number one score on a really good team either, but he had to take these tough shots some because you know in basketball some people say like why don't you just keep swinging the ball like the hawks had that team completely figured out and eventually someone's gonna have to take a tough shot they weren't no besides eric rose nobody was getting downhill and it's one thing obviously that julius wasn't able to get downhill that's a thing you can say but he had like though all those shots were super super tough and i don't think you put tobias harris in that situation where he's taking maybe maybe i'm wrong and and Tobias does make more of those situations, but I just think Tobias has a much easier role in which the shots come a little bit easier. They're better looks, they're more quality. And Julius didn't necessarily have that. And I know, I don't know if you looked at the on off, they're not that great, but I also think that is a, a factor of Tom Thibodeau plays. If the game's close, Tom, Julius Randle's playing 38, 39 minutes. So there's not a lot of room for on off variants because he's basically playing the whole game. And so, I put a lot of stock in one. He had this crazy-ass workload. He had, and I know it didn't work out in the playoffs, but he had this crazy-ass workload where he really had to be the carrier of the offense all year, which is such a tiring thing to do. And he was able to do that, really, for the whole year. I don't know if he's ever going to – like, part of me thinks, hey, maybe he really just grinded that hard and is this good of a shooter now. I doubt he's going to shoot 41 on that sort of volume again, but who knows? I I just think having a four that you can go to in ISO situations and get you buckets is extremely valuable. Good on the boards. I still don't know where to rank his defense because it hasn't been good up until this year. Um, And that next team as a unit was just really, you know, really solid. Um, But I just think if you ask Tobias to score in the ways Julius had to, I don't know if he could do it as efficiently as, as Julius did last year. And that's why I go Julius. Even okay, though that's fair. And
1: this is such a tough debate, right? Because you have two of the most opposite situations in the league, right? You have one of the Julius Randall is next to a, not a great roster. Right. And then you have Tobias Harris next to one of the best rosters in the league. So I think for sure, Tobias Harris is going to get better looks like there's no doubt about it. Um, but And this isn't even even a hate on Julius Randle. Like, I have him on my list. Neither no, of us him. You have had him six. Yeah, yeah neither of you, you or me had him on our list last year because he was atrocious. Like, he wasn't yeah, – he, he was bad at he me. Was he was a bad. bad power forward. Like, he wasn't even in he wasn't our in conversation. He, I don't so know if he I was, made my top 20. And being a Laker fan, man, I watched Julius Randle be awful for us for years, and we gave right. him away for nothing. But, but he's gotten better and he's gotten a lot better. The shot I mean, 41% that. from three, you, you, the dude put in some serious work. Put I'm insane just insane work in bro. And I know, you, I know you said the on-off splits, really, you're not going to take into that much. And he played 2,600 minutes and the Knicks only played 800 minutes without him essentially, which is That's insane. Crazy, bro. just for, for perspective. Tobias played 2000 and they played f- almost 1500 with him. So pretty close to, 70 or pretty close to um, like four to three right Julius Randall is closer to like two to 0.6 like the, the ratio is absolutely absurd for Julius Randall but when he was on the court versus off the court they were 0.3 points better like I just think that's a little bit telling too as is, is Julius Randall for me really is not that big of a difference maker for me and I really can't until he is in a playoff series where they're actually, like, where he plays good and they're competitive, I just can't buy into Julius Randle because I've seen him be bad for so long. But it was a great year for him. I can't deny it.
0: Yeah, okay. I'd say, well, you just said he's not much of a difference maker.
1: I don't think he really – like, he doesn't move the needle that much. For me. Like, Tobias moves the needle a little bit for me. He's not, like, a massive – like, that's the thing with this range, too. We're not getting guys that are, like – elite elite players in the NBA like they're good
0: they're above no, average like exactly. great and players it's a, but it's important to make that distinction but like that's what I'm saying I don't like Julius had had to be this one he had to be in this one role I think in a in a two role next to someone who's a lot better offensively he could give those numbers that you that you wanted and, and with, with the Knicks this year like you said like I mean he might get like two minutes, three, four minutes of rest in the first half. And if it's a close game, he's playing the whole second half. So if they get blown out at, at the end, he's included in those minutes. Like, you know, I I, I really do think they were much – like you take him off that team, they don't – honestly, don't – obviously, you could say that about a lot of guys. They lose their best player. I don't think they make the playoffs, but they were a four-sheet. And I'll, obviously, some luck went into that. But uh, I'll take Julius slightly over Tobias, yeah.
1: It'll be an interesting year, too, because you got high usage guys in Kemba Walker who demand the ball, Evan Fournier coming in. So I think – ta- yeah, I,
0: I like that one.
1: I think it takes some load off of him, and I think it's it's going to be huge just watching Julius Randle next year and seeing kind of how maybe his game adapts to having some guys that are better mm-hmm. around him and take a little bit of the usage off of his back because 30% mm-hmm. usage for Julius Randle is, is not something that yeah. should happen in the NBA. He's not that kind of player.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think it's ideal to go – I don't think it's honestly ideal to go to anyone that much unless you're a, a star. Um, but I do – I want to give him props for how, like, people don't realize how much of a – first of all, it's just a grind to play in the NBA, right? You're putting so much pressure on your shit every single day. Um, and then go play for Tibbs who wants you, if you're good, to go play 80, 90% of the game and he did that for a whole year and it, it obviously caught up to him towards the end of the year. Also, I don't it, some of it probably wasn't even tiredness. You, you know, they were, he was just completely overmatched, but uh, he had just such a huge workload and he didn't really break down at all. Um, and it'll be interesting so to see what he does
1: this that. year, because just real quick with Julius Randall and the Pelicans 2018, 19 season, he actually had a crazy style. Like He was 21, eight and a half rebounds, three assists on 52 from the field, 34 from three, like good numbers. And then just the year after that with the Knicks, or the Knicks with the <laughs> pandemic season, year. he was he was just yeah. awful. And, and it'll be interesting to see with a full year back to basketball how Julius Randle does, because
0: there's no excuses next year unless the pandemic hits again. Yeah. Um, but again, dude, I, that's the thing too, like, and it'll be a little different because he has Kev, Kemba Evan Fournier. but like literally last year, I know we were both watching. It was Derrick Rose and him on offense. R.J. Barrett, I still love long-term, but he wasn't a guy that was breaking down the defense. There was no one – Reggie Bullock wasn't doing that. Like IQ wasn't doing that. Nerlens does nothing on offense. It's just really, really damn hard when the defense knows exactly what what you do and they're sending essentially two guys at you. It's just so – and granted, he didn't even come close to being who he was in the regular season. But it's just really hard, and you saw it with Pascal. It's just really hard to be that guy, and that's why it's, you know, that's what makes guys at the the, the stars in this league so incredible. Um, all right, so now we we've both gone through ten through six, right? Yeah, I think. Well, and you, uh, I've given my four too. So and I've you given give me my five. five. And I've given you my five in Tobias Harris. And Tobias, okay. So I'll give you my five. It's uh, it's Dre. I'm so, I'm stoked that Dre made your list, bro. And Dre's um, my four. Perfect. So, um, there's obviously two. Dre's such a an interesting player in this league, right? In a league now that's so offensively focused. Um, you know, you got guys grinding to be in the NBA. You know, since they're five years old, and that leads to just insanely skilled players at, at such an early age, uh, Dre's kind of the opposite of that. He, he has, all, I want to, I think it's safe to say no offensive game. Like if he's rolling to the rim for a layup, he's okay. Um, he'll make it an occasional three, but outside of sh- like, in terms of scoring the basketball, he's by far the worst on this list and really gives absolutely nothing in scoring the basketball. That being said, he does in my mind everything else in the game of basketball at an elite level. He's a he's an unbelievable passer. I know he's always had great guys around him, but that guy's IQ, he, he is always finding the open guy. He's an I I'm curious to what you think. I think certain guys have arguments. I think he's the best defensive player I've seen with my own eyes since starting to watch the NBA. Again, other guys have cases, but you can't run them off the floor like some of these fives, right? He's an unbelievable on-ball defender, unbelievable help defender. He's honestly a decent rim protector for being undersized. Um, he can single-handedly blow your offense up just by himself, and he's always going. And I think he's an underrated leader. I think a lot of people see the and and he does do some bullshit sometimes. I, I and I think he'd admit he he's done a lot of bullshit in his career, but I think that where that all comes from is his passion for the game and he truly loves the game and so that's going to come out in the wrong way sometimes but i think he's a really good leader everyone on this team respects him um and yeah despite not being a good offensive player he does everything else at an elite level and if you have him if you can handpick four guys around him that are a little bit make up the difference on offense a little bit uh i think you're going to be straight the one thing that confuses me though is you know, people see this version of him now, but it wasn't always the case. And I'm not going to say he was ever an elite offense player or anything close to that. But there was a time I, I still remember in the finals, he dropped like 35.7 threes. Like he used to have a consistent three. He used to almost like shoot off the dribble at times. And now it's like you're begging him to shoot the open three. And I'd I, i I'd assume part of that was, you know, he saw Steph Curry and Clay, And then when they get KD, he's like all right, bet, like I'm not even going to work on the offensive game anymore because that's not really what they need from me. But now you see in this situation where we we really do need that, at least we don't need anything crazy. We just need him to be a serviceable offensive scorer and he's not that anymore. It's just weird. You you rarely see a guy go from being decent offensively to just like falling off a cliff the way he has. Um, and I, wa- I hold out hope still that he can, at least be a, a OK wide open three point shooter that that's not completely gone from his bag. Um, but that that's where I'm at. I remember last year you, you not like him because of the offense, which was very fair. But what uh, what has him now back up here at four for you?
1: Yeah. And, and last year was tough, too, because that was the COVID year. We're going to say it a million times,
0: but he was completely he was, checked out.
1: I agree. He he wasn't even he, he was either not playing. He had a fake injury because Steph was out a, a lot of those games, too. I don't know if people remember, but Steph was
0: hurt Dude, uh, he at played the end of that. Four, he played four games that year. He played yeah. the start of the year and then broke his wrist and then played exactly. one game and then got and then COVID came.
1: And when there's no Steph, there's no Trey on that. Like without Katie, and so there's just and no yeah. Clay, obviously too. There's when those guys aren't there, he doesn't serve a purpose the, on that. The beat roster.
0: writers literally said like he didn't like the fit with D'Lo, and he checked out. He was done. He knew they weren't going to do anything, and he was over. It. And yeah, so you saw it. a
1: couple of points just to jump off of what you just said, but I think he's the only player in the NBA. Correct me if if, if I'm wrong. If there's any player that you can think of that he can't shoot. He can't create his own shot, but he's a positive on offense, you know? Yeah. Like, Maybe he can't like, create his own shot. He can't shoot the ball. He's not great at going to the rim, really. I mean, he can sometimes, but he's a positive on offense. Like, you still kind of want to – If you have off.
0: offensive players around him. If you exactly. have offensive like,
1: players around him. If you don't... You're not centering an <laughs> offense around him, of course. <laughs> but he's yeah. – his and his mind is one of the greatest we've ever seen, too. That's another thing. His basketball IQ – The way he thinks about the game, both offensively and defensively, is really second to none. Like LeBron's up there, but he's right on that same level in terms of how he thinks the game of basketball through on both sides of the ball. Then, like as your point, have I ever seen a better defender than him with my own eyes? Like in the last 10 years, it's kind of been prime Kawhi, Rudy Gobert, and him as those like jaw-dropping defensive players where they're just making defensive plays that you've never seen before. Um so for me like Draymond is just a guy I don't even care what he does shooting the basketball on offense but people also forget with Draymond Green like I just wanted to bring this up real quick when he in in the 2015-2016 season he shot 38 from 38% from 3 the year before that he shot 33 in 2016-17 he shot he shot 31% from 3 and then he just fell off a cliff so I think for him it's mostly just confidence, uh, you know. Once you like, with a guy like him who's not—I mean, guess he was a great. If you shoot thirty-eight percent from three, that's pretty Dude, damn good. Like, he,
0: he, he, yeah, it's crazy, bro. And it's he, just,
1: he It's just confidence, man. Like you know, he's putting the work, taking threes. It's just confidence for him. Um, But like, if I'm if I have an established team and I have a good team, it's very hard for me to take anyone outside of these three. It, I'm not taking anyone outside of these three other than Draymond Green and I don't even care if he brings anything anything really to me on offense he's such an anchor on defense he's the OG of guarding 1 through 5 i can't really remember a guy that really transitioned the nba defensively the way that he has like
0: completely changed
1: the way we think he, about defending. he's why
0: guys like Scotty Barnes are getting drafted 3 overall you know like obviously everyone's comp to,
1: everyone's comp to Scotty yeah. Barnes was Draymond Green
0: but Scotty's not going three, six years ago, I don't think.
1: No, he's going in the second round.
0: Exactly. You know, I love that you brought that up. And people are seeing the value of it is unbelievable because, you know, like obviously there's times where I'm frustrated where he'll have like a good layup and he'll pass it. Like he'll try to lob it or have a wide over three and not shoot it. But like, I do think there is, like you said, there's positives to – He's not going to take a bad shot in a league where so many guys are trying to get. He is always going to look for that best possible shot. And if there's, I've seen him make it's not just like behind the back dimes. I've seen him make cross court, like already knows the shooter's going there. Like he's an unbelievable passer, not just in the terms of flash. He's not a flashy passer, but he's an unbelievable, like functional passer in getting it to the right guy in rhythm. Um, and I think that's incredibly valuable, even if it does come at a cost at times of of him just passing up shots that 95% of the NBA would take. And
1: he's I mean, nine assists a game for him last year. I mean, that's ridiculous. Point guards can't yeah. put up nine assists a game, and he only turned the ball over three times a game. Three to one assist to turnover ratio for a guy like that. I know a lot of the times it's running off the yeah, it's throwing the ball to Steph Curry it's running. <laughs> But still, yeah. I mean, three, I mean, three to one turnover or assist to turnover ratio, nine assists a game for a guy like him—it's ridiculous. Then you add in the fact that you—you're not going to take more than one guy on
0: defense in the whole
1: entire league over him. Like Gobert is really the only case you can I'll take. take.
0: And I'd still take Dre over Gobert. That—that that might be a little biased, but you can't play Dre off the floor,
1: yeah, and you, you rarely can't play,
0: can play Rudy off the floor. But still, exactly.
1: Um, so for me, just. The, his defensive ability alone has him high on the list for me. I'm, like And in, in the playmaking offense is still good. I know he can't shoot, but I don't care.
0: Yeah. One last thing before we move on. I, I love that you mentioned it earlier with his mind's on another level. And uh, this is for my Warrior fans out there, but for people that – or even, I guess, people that don't watch, but Draymond Green, because of his mind, he realizes that he plays next to Steph. And I don't know if people notice this, but, like, he's li- – literally and it's part of why i love him if he's like a professional steph curry maximizer like he has all he at this point has honestly made you see guys you know change their games for what their roles are going to be he is literally perfected getting the most out of steph curry like he knows exactly and it's not just like passing the ball where steph curry likes it like he knows exactly how where Steph's going to work off screens he can, he can. We have. They have this lethal, like, fake handoff. He has this weird, like, pass it to him, pass it back, and I'm gonna go screen immediately for your guy. Like, he's unbelievable at getting the most out of Steph Curry and knowing how to get him looks when, when because you, I mean, you go into this year, you saw it. it was Steph Wig and Wiggins as the second best offensive player. Everyone knew Steph Curry, like. Everyone knew obviously he's gonna run off a lot of screens, but everyone knew that is a guy. And that you saw so many different game plans on trying to stop that. And Steph Curry's 6'2, 180. Like he's not, it's not easy for him when guys are game planning for him. But Draymond did such a good job of finding creative ways to get Steph Curry the rock and, and get him open and get him looks. And it just goes to his mind. He knows that he's and- playing with that guy and he optimized him and has optimized him for years. And real quick, if you want to watch some impressive Draymond Green clips, go watch the
1: end of the season games with the Warriors, where Steph Curry at at one point was just getting triple team when he stepped in front of half court. Like, they weren't letting him do it. He was carrying the ball to four. He stepped in front of half court, three dudes were on him. There's that meme of him getting quadruple team and stuff. It was legitimately happening. Draymond Green would catch the ball. Draymond Green would catch the ball and figure out a way to get Steph back involved into the offense. It was incredible mm-hmm. to watch because you can double, but once that, knew double, was gonna once that double breaks down, the floor is wide open, right? And people are scrambling, recovering, and he was able and smart enough to not just go chuck up a shot, but to settle down, find Steph Curry, find Andrew Wiggins, and still get a good shot. It's just, if you want to yeah. watch just the mind of him, go watch those when Steph Curry was getting it's doubled because he still found ways to get him open looks.
0: 100%. And if you want to watch him – and his defense at work. I have a video on my YouTube on his game against the Lakers. Still lost, but one of the craziest defensive performances I've seen. And oh, sing, almost we almost got out of L. A. with a win there. That would, that would have been crazy, but we were we were right on the cusp of doing it, and it was because of everything he was doing. He he was mind fucking Dennis Schroeder literally possession after possession. But. Um, all right, bro. That I think that wraps up Draymond. I obviously have gone with my four already. So you and, and so have you. I think we both have the same top three. Um, but it'll be fun to talk about all, all three of these guys who are absolute studs. Um, we both on the same page. Zion ad Giannis. Yeah, one Giannis, two ad
1: three Zion. Yeah. And I'm no, sorry, I was I going. can't but I can't believe you didn't have Zion going back through our list from last year. I can't believe you didn't have Zion three last year, even. Um, you had Pascal over Zion, sure, which bro. is wild. Was... It's not necessarily a mistake. Zion was coming into a second year, but still, Zion was. No, yeah, <laughs> is... I, I think there's a legitimate
0: you... case even back then that Zion was three. And I just was like, I'm going Pascal. I love the Raptors.
1: I think if you, I mean, Zion Williamson probably had the most quiet, ridiculous year. I've ever like I just went and looked at the stats because we were doing this, and I looked at it and I was <laughs> the like,
0: "This dude is a- insane, dude." This dude
1: averaged twenty seven seven and almost four assists, shooting over sixty percent from the field, which is Giannis is an elite efficient player, and he shot fifty six percent from the field. Zion Williams shot sixty one percent from the field. It, it, at twenty absolutely- old. With, with no, no respect from three moves
0: with,
1: with no, no respect from like three moves. Yeah. no one's respecting him from three he has to barrel his way to <laughs> the hoop
0: exactly no like go like sure he has a decent handle but no go-to moves and he put up the single best efficiency uh in the paint that we've ever seen like Shaq even wasn't doing this at at this age bro like it's and crazy it, and- And if somehow he missed, he got the offensive rebound every time. Second jump is second to none. There's no one even close to the class and just second jump ability. He's already jumping a millisecond after he misses. He's already back up there.
1: And I think what's hurting him. I think what's hurting him in, in the view of the of the the media and just basketball fans is he hasn't been to the playoffs, and we've seen you know, guys in the class after him, oh, the Trey young, cool. the Luke, uh, it's not as well the Trey young, the Luka Doncic, the ball handlers that have been in the playoffs the last couple of years, I guess Luca, I guess he was, but like Trey went really far. So we got a lot. He just, he hasn't gotten that coverage. So you kind of forget, but I am taking Zion Williamson over Trey young. Like, I just, I don't know if you are, but Zion Williamson. Is,
0: I, I think I go Zion too, honestly. And, and Zion had a better year
1: than Anthony Davis. I hate to say it. I'm still taking Anthony Davis, but dude, not even close to me. Not He's even like, close. I mean, and you look at, I know you, I, I know I, I bring up PER at times, but Zion Williams you know, had, bro, a 20, had a 27 you... PER. A 27 PER. The league average is 15. Giannis, ridiculous, 29. Zion Williamson, 27. Anthony Davis, 22. Like, I just don't think people understand how off the charts this dude is. And it's because he doesn't shoot the three. And then you go look and he shot over 30% or he shot 29% from three, but he shot essentially and that's 30% coming. from three. That's,
0: he will shoot it at a decent rate at some point in his career that I have no, no issues about. I, I just, and like you said, I want people to, to realize just how ridiculous this kid is. Like this kid is 21 years old and we have not seen a force in the paint like him. The guy like the the guy doesn't have like crazy isolation moves he just goes through you and he literally has the body of an nfl linebacker but can jump with a 30 inch vertical like he is higher than that 40 probably you're right you're right i don't have a good grasp on verticals but you're right (laughs) and and I, I think he's the strongest player in the league at 21.
1: 45-inch 40, vertical at Duke.
0: i bad. 45 inches, bro. And is there a guy stronger than him? Steven no. Adams? I, no. I, I don't even think Steven Adams is stronger than him. He literally I, – I remember his rookie year. It really stood out to me. And even last year, there's two times that come, come to my head. One time where he was going downhill and goes up. Hassan Whiteside, this tree, people see, you know, he's huge. And not only is he huge, Hassan Whiteside is jacked. Like, he's absolutely jacked. Hassan goes up the block his shot. Zion goes up. And Hassan gets completely moved back. Like, literally couldn't even, like, contest. Like, just flew backwards. Same thing last year with Giannis. Like, he's a, an absolute freak of nature. The, the ceiling is so high because he's able to do this at 21 with you know, like, like imagine when he gets time to work on his craft and his, you know, the offensive, like move side of things, you pair, you know, like a, a creation ability with this just sheer power and athleticism. And it's just going to be absolutely incredible to see. So yeah, the defense is sure a ways away, but like, like we talked about with Sacramento, you want was just terrible defensively. And it's weird because they had a little bit better personnel, you know blood steven adams lonzo um and but as a team again if your team is just not connected that doesn't matter how good of a one-on-one defender you are the breakdowns are going to happen regardless um so I, you know the defense is whatever i think that'll get figured and he, out and
1: he doesn't but, need to be a good defender man you exactly. don't need that from him right you don't exactly. need like I don't want to compare him to – I'm not even going to do it, but you just take certain players that are so elite offensively, you build around that, right? He's so incredibly – like, one in a general – like, you'll never see him again
0: And kind of guy on offense. you
1: You build around him on defense.
0: It's – I don't think – and I think four is, like, the least important defensive position. Like, you have your five to protect the rim – Generally, when you're guarding fours, unless it's AD or Giannis, they're not going to go get their own shot. So it's like you don't need your four to be like this unreal defender. So, yeah, and that might be like the one thing in the three, but like that's not something that – And really I
1: was really listening about. to a podcast the other day that – and they someone brought up a really interesting point. I think – and they said they think that they, they got rid of, of Lonzo and brought in a guy like Devontae Graham – Who's not a great creator or or necessarily ball handler, but a great spot up three-point shooter, shooter because yeah. they want to run point Zion and they want to have the ball in Zion's hand and having screens set for Zion more. And they want guys around him who are elite three-point knockdown shooters. So that's a great point. It'll be interesting to see how that works because Devontae can't play a lick at defense. And then you need a sort of defending guard around him um, just to. It's hard to have a a horrible four on defense and then no guard defender, but I just think when you have a guy like Zion Williamson, it doesn't matter. Like he's so elite offensively. It'll be interesting to see what they start doing on offense because he doesn't have a great offensive game necessarily. If that makes like he can't. Really dribble, he doesn't have great dribble drive moves, right? He's not gonna cross someone over and go to the hole. No, and right? that's
0: the thing, he still averaged 27 points. Exactly. On
1: 60%. He can't really shot create, right? He can't pull up and shoot, but the, the the shot is there and the tools are there, and he averaged 27 points a game on <laughs> over 60. percent It just and if he's if he's if he's able to even get this like a tiny bit better in terms of all those things, he's gonna average like 33 34 points
0: a game in this league easy easy because he just doesn't miss shots and And the volume is going to go up for sure I think the one other thing I want to talk about too with him is like you know we've talked about how unbelievable he is in the paint and he is but I think what gets overlooked sometimes and again he doesn't have a crossover he doesn't have an in and out he can handle the ball like, yes, he can take and he's he can dribble at full speed and not. And he's ridiculous in transition with the ball. In his hand. Exactly. And he can just sidestep. He can he he's so agile that he doesn't once he's getting downhill at full force, he can evade defenders or he'll go through you. But he and has, he has like great a great touch. Handle. He has a great handle, great touch. And he's a willing passer. People don't realize that, too. He, because he's such a natural at the game of basketball, he knows when there's openings. And he's also, as he continues to get better and better and the ball in his hand more and more, he's going to continue to leverage all the attention he gets into easy looks for others, too. So he's just an absolute game changer on the offensive end. Uh, Like you said, Giannis, 56%. This guy is, I think, better in in the paint than Giannis Tacumbo, which is incredible to, to say because that Giannis is one of the best transition players we've ever seen and Zion has that full-fledged ability of dribbling getting downhill and either get out of my way or if you want to I'll go through you or around you so uh no brainer three it'll be interesting because uh and we'll get to AD AD's I think still a decent a bit ahead of him uh, especially because of the defense but I wonder, you know, the the progression, like, from this year to next year, how much better is he going to get? When is he going to take that leap towards, like, oh, shit, this guy's like the face of the NBA? Because it's a matter of time. Is it just – is it going to be two years? Is it going to be five years when he's, like, 26, 27? We'll see. And, and, I, and like you said, I want to see put, where the offensive craft goes. Like, he's I can't even imagine. He's 21 years old, bro. He's literally 21 years old, and he just had the, the single most efficient season inside the paint in terms of the volume he had. Incredible, incredible talent. Um, and I hope New Orleans can figure out how to create a team around him that where he's comfortable, you're getting the most out of Zion, and the Pels are at least getting to the playoffs. I don't even fault him, you know. I, I just – Sam Van Gundy was not vibing with that team at all. And uh, we'll see We'll see. Willie Green's a player's coach and uh, have high hopes for them to at least be in the hunt for the, for the playoffs next year. I agree. Um, all right, let's go to AD. Your boy did not have a great year last year. And I remember coming into the year, you know, we, we always kind of jumble up our uh, top 10 players, top 20 players going in the year. And I, I think he had a legitimate case after last year to be a top five player. Um, and in the bubble playoffs, bro, the dude was just – absolutely insane because you knew what he was going to give you defensively but the offense was just off the charts in the playoffs 82% at the rim 53% on floaters 40% on the short mid-range 55% on the long mid-range 38% from three in the playoffs I think you could kind of look at that and say okay probably an outlier but still the fact that he was able to do that in the toughest competition along with elite defense game-changing defense I was like this dude has a legit shot at you know, being a top five player at this point, things have cooled off a little bit. And obviously the defense is a huge – or the defense – that's actually the least of our worries. The the injuries um are a huge part of it. But – so for you, as a Lakers fan, and I was talking to Ty, Ty was like, a lot of these are, like, coincident – like, the dude's injury problem. Like, how oh, – like, Yeah. At what point do we start to – like, it, it's just hard. There's not a more – Unless I'm missing someone, there's not a more injury-prone star in the league. There's no one in the top 20 who's as injury-prone as him. And it's concerning to an extent. Not not to the point where I'm not going to say he's the second-best power forward, but how concerned are you as a Lakers fan, as a guy who's going to take the torch from Braun, who's going to be your number one in a matter of a couple years, I guess I'm somehow spinning him being number two into a negative, but let's get the negatives out of the way.
1: I mean, it's Anthony Davis. The dude's been an all-star for every single year he's been in the NBA outside of his rookie year, I'm pretty sure. Like, the guy is just similar to Anthony Davis. I mean, similar to Zion Williams. And the minute he got into the league, the dude was a freak of nature that was, you could tell, going to be one of the best players in the league. And for me, like you said, it's – I mean, there's serious injuries with him, but it's every game, man. Like, as a Lakers fan, watching games – He goes down every game and holds something and has to get taken out of the game. The injury concern is, is huge with him. Uh, And and if you look at his numbers this year, he played a career low in games.
0: He played 36 games this year, right? That is, is. I think part of that was this quick turnaround. I'd like, I agree. That's what I'd say. If our Lakers fan, like. And he's injury prone,
1: but before that 56 was his lowest in terms of career games. So essentially 20 and then 1.6 blocks a game. He had never averaged less than two in a season. So just to – I don't want to say you can just throw this game or throw this year in the trash for him. You kind of have to, but with a guy that is as injury-prone as Anthony Davis, it's it's really scary um, in, in terms of his career, like, projection trajectory. and where he's going, you know, and trajectory yeah. exactly and where he's going because I am scared, man. Like, he shot 26% from three this year. That is – that's not Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis shoots 30-plus percent from three. He shoots over 50% from the field. He shot 49% from the field, just all around off. Like The dude was averaging his sophomore numbers this year, and he didn't only play 36 games, but was just a weird, weird off year. And I think, like you said, it was a short turnaround for a guy that's crazy injury-prone. He got no time off, but it's Anthony Davis, one of the best defenders. And I I think outside of Gobert in terms – of big man defenders, I don't know if I'd take anyone no. over him.
0: It, it's Gobert, Davis, and Turner for me.
1: Yeah, those three hundred percent.
0: And they're and they're like in their own tier. I think Gobert's in. We're if you're tearing it, is Gobert in a separate tier or is AD? Yeah,
1: yeah, it, yeah, Gobert's okay. in a separate tier. And yep. I would even, and I would put Anthony Davis slightly above Miles Turner too. Miles Turner blocks the shit out of shots, but I think Anthony Davis is a little bit more versatile.
0: No, he is for sure. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, so it's weird. I, I think you honestly do. You get the trash can out and you throw this year in it, and then you 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 move on to next year. He's had all the time in the world to to rest up, and uh, I think a year like this should motivate ad but you talk about the positives he has you already talked about the defense he, he has defensive bending potential where like guys think twice about going in to the rim and if you do go it's probably getting beat um but on the offensive end when he's right he's a good three-point shooter at the four he has a face a nasty face-up game he's great in the paint it, he's a the When you think of the ideal – because Giannis is the number one power four, but you don't think of him as, like, the ideal four, right? If you're, like, building a four in the lab for the league. AD is built in a lab for the NBA today, and just everything you want in a four, it's just a matter of can he stay healthy. And I am curious to see, like, when LeBron – let's say he does stay healthy. Is AD a number one on a championship team, or is he a number two on a a championship team? Like, is he capable of being a number one on a championship team or is he because if he's a two on a championship team, he's probably the best two you can have. But is is he that or do you think he can carry that load? I think to to this point, I don't think he can because of the injuries, but I also the offense. I think it's really, really good, you know, but I I don't know if he's number one on offense on a title team. Good. And I don't think
1: and I don't think he is because he can't shoulder that load. Due to his injuries, yeah. right? And we saw the New Orleans, man. I know he had an awful roster around him. Like, it was so bad there. But there, there were but times he
0: had, he had Drew. He, yeah,
1: had, he had Julius Drew.
0: Randall that one year, you know? Like, had I to feel like his people would say he had no one. But, like, there were times where he had people. And, again, that was a younger AD. But he never got even close to out of the first round. No. Actually, I think there was he, that one weird year where him and Drew, they beat the Blazers. But then they lost in the second round. They
1: four-owed him. I think they four owed the Blazers. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was like that that sent Blazer fans into shambles. I think we were in college. We were yeah, I Oregon. think it was yeah, yeah, I think
1: it was our freshman or sophomore year. I yeah, I think you're yeah. right. But yeah. I think just so to close it have, out but... just to close it out on AD, he was the one guy on our list who didn't have a good year, and most of it was due to injury. So there's really not a lot of like great things to say, but it's Anthony Davis. The pedigree is already there. We already know how good he is on both sides
0: of the ball. Yeah, we're we're not. He could have he could have not played at all last year. And the, he's the, the second best power forward. And I think he had a legitimate case before this year to be the best power forward. Um, but obviously most people most you know. people
1: would have had him as the best power forward, even over Giannis after they won that championship.
0: We both had Giannis won last year, though,
1: right? We did, but I think a lot of people that did watch the NBA still didn't believe in Giannis because he couldn't do it yeah. in the playoffs. Um, but for yeah. us, we I mean we see through that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to this this man, and, and I think it's a good point because you know I had trouble moving Giannis up in the overall top ten player rankings because of that very point. You know, it wasn't just that the Bucks never made it to the finals, but it was the Bucks never made it to the finals, and it was a clear causation with Giannis not being who he was in the regular season as a reason. Uh, there was obviously other reasons, Eric Bledsoe, but. Um, that was a clear reason why they didn't get there. And then obviously this year you come in and he kind of puts that narrative to rest a little bit in this year's finals where three 40 point games, a 50 point game, just absolutely unbelievable finals this year, to the point where it's, it's solidified. He's the best power forward. He's top five player. And I'm not going to lie. Things broke perfectly for him this year, Uh, but that's why you play these games, you know, one, Katie's foot's on the line. They also were playing with James Harden with one hamstring and no Kyrie Irving. I really do think the Nets beat them if they're even remotely healthy. Um, and I don't think the Suns are as good of a, a, a title team, you know, as you normally get or as at least that, that we've gotten um, in the past couple of years. So things broke right for him for sure. But he obviously capitalized. Probably the best player I've ever seen in transition. Unbelievable defender, both on ball and a weak side shot blocker. Uh, Underrated passer. You know, he started to really leverage all the attention he got into creating passes for his others. And just a team player, you know, always team first, never about himself, stayed loyal. Uh, I I feel like everyone knows how good this man is. But what what else do you want to add to I just, I, you know, I just popped in my head. We left Giannis
1: out of that defensive tier. He's got to be up there too in terms of big power forwards playing defense, dude. He has <laughs> the, to be in that tier. That's true. I'm taking him. Are you taking Anthony Davis or him on D? I'm
0: taking a- AD.
1: Okay, I think I'm taking Giannis.
0: Really, I, yeah. I just like I think, I think AD just is a little bit better of a rim protector or of the paint. Yeah, he and is. Giannis is definitely a better on-ball defender, but you saw it like. They, they had drew and Middleton on these guys. Like they didn't really ask Giannis to do that. And, and not that he's not capable. Uh, but I just think that what, what they ask of a four or five is mostly at the rim and 80 does it better. So I'll just take it. But I yeah. agreed. He's up there with them.
1: Yeah. And G, I mean, that's just one of the, he's in that tier too. I think people, Giannis is, is he's part of a great defense, but like Dre, like AD, he anchors that freaking, like, he anchors that. I mean, you put him next to Brooke Lopez too. It's just unfair, but both of those guys Andrew are unbelievable. All yeah. Defense, and, and Chris man. Middleton and yeah. PJ Tucker,
0: <laughs>
1: but it's really just,
0: ridiculous personnel.
1: Yeah. It's probably the best defensive personnel in the league, but PJ is gone. But Giannis is just that guy that he still has holes in his game, right? Like, I know he won a championship. I know he dropped 50 and looked incredible. And all the noise really should go away on questioning if he can win a title because he's done it and you can't question ever again. But he still, he he went on a roll there where he was like 17 for 20 from the line, I think in the finals or something. And part of that 15, he just had a crazy, crazy consistent. He's been awful for the line at times where people are just fouling him and he's going to line and he can't make free throws. He takes his shot selection at times was really bad in that net series and it's gonna get washed away because Kevin Durant's foot was on the line. But he took like eight threes a game that were really, really bad shots that they were leaving wide open and he was missing them. Yeah. Um so he still has holes in his game. But it's it's Giannis man. The guy just yeah. had a the, the one of the best seasons I've ever seen. And was yeah. and should have been in the MVP conversation again. People were just bored of it.
0: Kind of bored of it. Yeah. And Yoke deserved it for sure. But hundred percent I, I agree um and yeah we haven't won but i feel like it's all we almost need to talk about you know some of the the drawbacks because everyone knows how damn good he is um but yeah it'll be very very interesting for me and just like duh because it's not like this motherfucker's not in the gym getting thousands of shots up right like some people just don't ever turn out to be elite shooters or good shooters and, and it's not for a lack of work in, in this case but it's it'll be really interesting to see where that how that continues to develop on the offensive end of the game because then you know he's going to get right back into the lab and and get to it but it's going to be hard for him to win a title in the next couple of years if that doesn't improve um because the, like i like we said like that he's it's just so weird because there's there's you know, you look at all the stars in the league and they're incredible offensive talents. And Giannis, I'm not gonna say he's not an incredible offense fan, like he is in his own way, but it's not the the he doesn't have the skill side of it, you know. And so he's still able to dominate in his own way, um, which is completely valid. But I, I'm just interested to see are you, you know, where that goes.
1: Are you ranking him above Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant is a power forward?
0: Dude, I'm not. I'm. I think KD is the best player in the world right now. I honestly. Yeah, do. I. I agree. Where I, I would like, take Kevin Durant over Giannis, I think if if he like, was a power forward. Uh, yeah, and like I know that might sound crazy because Giannis, because you know, I'm all about team and winning at the end of the day. But
1: can you imagine Giannis if KD had
0: Drew, a healthy Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez,
1: anchor the paint? Bro, it's you over. You switch
0: KD and Giannis. You switch KD and Giannis in that series. It's it's a wrap. Like, and I still, one? and this is, dude, I, I honestly don't know if the, if the, if the Nets get a game there, honestly. I agree. And it's a weird thing, you can't really, like, compare and it, it. And but it, like, just,
1: it goes to show how valuable sh- elite, efficient that's shot about, creating that's is. That's
0: literally what I was about to say, yeah. That, that's why I have – and again, it doesn't go perfectly because Julius Randle isn't this. But even not even elite, like, I just think it's such a – it's the most valuable skill in creating your own shot. So even, like, a guy like Julius Randle who can't do it elite, he can go get his own shot when everyone knows what's happening – and KD is the absolute best of the best at that to the point where he's maybe the best we've ever seen at just like, like it, it. We've never seen a guy that that height with that handle and that shooting ability all combined in one. And yeah, so I, I would take KD, even though Giannis is a lot better defensively. I don't think KD's bad defensively. I think he's good think, actually defensively. Because He's just
1: the archetypes, the our, we can we, we're going to talk about KD in the next pod, but the archetypes types of the past of the of the Kobe's and the Michaels who were KD but smaller and that's what the shooting guard position was back in the day, they were doing at 45 percent from the field. KD's doing it at 53 54 percent from the field. It's ridiculous. And by the way,
0: he's he's a way better three point shooter than Kobe and MJ, ever were. you know, not even close. It's not even close, and so you're just adding that on top. He has that like mid-range like Kobe MJ level of like footwork where he's he's gonna eventually be able to get a lift for himself and then he has all that with 6'11 height so it's it's just unfair and when you have that when you're good that good at probably the most important skill in this league it's 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 pretty hard for me not to have you want like I don't really know how anyone could have watched that last year and not been like this guy's the best player in the world right now. Like I get respect to Braun, but it's just too high of a level for me not to and have we could enough, so.
1: and if he didn't go to 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 Brooklyn, we could be talking about Giannis potentially winning a couple more championships in the next couple of years, especially with the turmoil in Philly. Um totally there's a good couple enough. other teams where yeah. you, you you don't really have Brooklyn's a, lot of conf- a favorite, bro. That's what I'm saying. And if, if they didn't That's go hard. create that super team there Yon is in a totally different position, and it just it makes for a much interesting point in his career right now. It's going to be really fun to watch next year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, bro. Um, all right, that, that about wraps it up, bro. Let's uh, before we dip on – we did. Uh, now nah, that's going to open up too much time. We'll talk about Ben Simmons rumors in the next pod, but and we'll do it at the start so we kind of know. But we're we got three out, minutes. Out, an hour and a half. You think we can do that in three minutes? I'm what what do you think about Ben? What do you think about Ben? Because it's, so it's weird. Because it's he's, Real got, quick, it's, it, like he's it's come out down.
1: today. It's come out today that said that Ben Simmons is out. It's 100% certain. We saw Danny Green on a podcast you know, yeah. basically saying whoever we get, it's going to change my role. Basically saying Ben Simmons is gone, man. He's not coming back. It's His agent has said he wants out of Philly. He will not be back. He's not Church showing up ball. to training camp. So he's gone, right? He's gone. I just – for me, I'm interested to see. He said he's open to playing in Minnesota. He's open to playing in a couple different places. So but not that many like
0: places. To,
1: no, not that many places. You know, where would you
0: like to see him like, play? Like that's the toughest part is like he's narrowed it down to a couple teams, but the the Sixers have no leverage. He's made it so You're they off. have no leverage. And they they're not going to be able to get that Anthony Davis. I don't know if they were going to get it in, in general, but He's definitely made it harder for them to get that return. I Honestly, I think people will point to Ben Simmons and Draymond and say it can't work. But I think with Clay Thompson, Seth Curry, and Wiggins there, I think that can work. I would love to have him. Now, am I willing to go give up Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, Wiggins, future first? No. Yes, I would. Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, future first? I love Ben. I love Ben. He'd be great. I'm willing to go. Wiseman, Wiggins, Kaminga, maybe. I just don't want to give everything. And I don't think we have to because of the position they're in. I think we can say, Oh, you want us to give everyone? Cool. Have fun with him sitting on your bench all year then. But I don't think I don't think him, I, I would would him to say makes sense
1: to say. because I still think they're in win
0: now mode, and those pieces don't make sense to my opinion. Oh, Philly? Yeah. Yeah, but you can maybe like okay, but what team's gonna give? I get the Sacramento thing. If they're willing to give De'Aaron, sure. But what other team is going to give win-now pieces?
1: If you think about it with, with, with Minnesota, there might be a, a third team that has to enter. But depends on – you and me are lower on D'Lo, I think, than other people. But a D'Lo, really I don't think, easily couple first package. It sounds I don't horrible. I think they want to deal D'Lo.
0: I think Minnesota values D'Lo more than anyone else values D'Lo. So I just don't think it makes sense. In terms of okay. trading D I, I think the rest of the And exact- that's the weird part. Because- Dos are right. And I think Minnesota loves D So
1: and so I, here's I, a really interesting one that I'll bring up real quick. I know we, we've been talking for a couple minutes, but who has the pieces in the cap space is the Atlanta Hawks. And they have a, a lot of young guys. They got Cam Reddish, they have Sharif Cooper, could play next they to try. Johnson, they have DeAndre Hunter they have they win john collins now
0: okay yeah if you're getting into that so what's I'm the just package saying,
1: i don't know what the package is but if you're able to go to philly with some proven ish young guys in like hunter and stuff or maybe you they probably don't want to give up hunter but some of those young guys in cam reddish maybe i don't know uh what's his name bogey that's a, a package that semi makes yeah, sense boy. to me but outside of that but outside yeah. of that that's another like beal package to to washington i think that makes a little more sense is atlanta maybe over to giving those to washington
0: i think that package makes way more sense because then you get the win now player over there ben simmons you could argue is like more valuable long term i i don't know necessarily that i agree but you could say that because of his age still and he can then kind of go be there and do his own thing and be the guy um but I, I was just thinking about I, yeah. a team
1: that had cap and a lot of young pieces. That was another team no, that came to my I, mind. I like
0: that. But I think the I two like options
1: that. here, I think the two options that make sense, or three options are Portland, um, Washington, and Minnesota. I think it's going to have to be one of those three teams because I don't really see
0: anything else working out. Yeah. I just, I just don't think uh, – like I – I get it. These things are going to leak, leak even if he just like tells them privately. I feel like like somehow all the shit leaks anyways, but it's like I, I just think Ben's put him in a tough spot. And I also just think the Sixers are in a tough spot. Like dude, we're in that dead period. Like everyone's kind of set on their teams. Like no one's really looking to shake shit up like this close to the season. And he's not even going to be there for training camp. And so I, I don't think it's a, more. He's a smart guy. It seems like that organization smart. I don't think it's smart to deal Ben Simmons for 70 cents on the dollar, even because, if he said he's not coming. Like I, Because
1: this I, is a weird situation where a star doesn't want out like Anthony Davis where they suck. It's a situation where they're the number one seed in the East and he wants out. We've never seen like anything like seen this that. before. Yeah. So I don't know how they go about doing this. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how Daryl Moore – because if anyone could do it, it's him um, with his – crazy basketball mind but it's truly a a huge question mark where no one has any idea because you you start
0: going through the scenarios and they don't make sense exactly but daryl's cooking up he's in the lab right now figuring out all right what is the best overall value return that also gives us guys where the drop off is because you, you but you can also make an argument like ben simmons does limit them in a lot of ways so there's creative ways to go about replacing ben i wonder how they feel about maxi although the whole rumor with maxi wants out to like rich paul needs to chill bro like why is maxi now involved in this because ben simmons wants out like bro you're their agent like you don't need like that doesn't make sense to me like you, you got to take a step back there but yeah, I'm with you. It's a it's a weird situation. We, I, I think that's a great point. We've never seen a star on a team that's literally the number one seed in the East saying, "I'm I'm actually like not reporting to training camp." Like this is uh, unprecedented, and I'm very very curious to see what ends up coming of it. Um, gun, to, gun to your head right now is Ben Simmons on was... the Sixers uh, for game one of the regular season? No, not as he playing? I was just... Is he on? Is he on the roster? Oh, See on the roster, because I would say no. I think no. he is. I think he. I is. would say
1: no. I think they have to figure it out before the season starts.
0: So I would say no. Okay, I hope they do. I just, it, it's going to be like we said. It's going to be really tough to find something that really works for both sides. You know, with this and amount of Do time. you
1: think? Do you think the the longer it goes, the harder it becomes to move him, or do you think the the closer you get to the trade deadline, the easier it becomes because teams will be in different places. Because that, that's another point I can't figure out. I, I, I'm
0: going back and forth. I think, I think, uh, well, I think at this point it's going to be hard. But I think once the season starts, so right now to the start of the season, I don't think it changes day by day, it, nothing changes. But I think once the season starts and things start you know, changing in the NBA and, and things, then I think it might become a little bit easier. But it's weird. Like, I wonder also, there's maybe a shot where they tell them, like, bro, the best way to get you out of here is for you to say that we're all good, come report to training camp, come hoop, and then we'll go look for someone. And then a report comes out, oh, Ben Simmons and Sixers have mended their ways. And then they find something. This situation does is just – but Ben Simmons is a stubborn dude. Like, I, not he happening. doesn't strike me as the type of guy that does will do that. Exactly. Um, so we'll see. And it's not even – You know, like, at least in the James Harden situation, it was like, it's James Harden. Like, you don't have to, like, there's a lot more uncertainty with Ben Simmons. Yes, he's still a stud. Yes, he's still a star. But it's like, it's not the same thing with James Harden where you just plug James He's not a plug-and-play. He's a walking 30. He's not a plug-and-play. Yeah. You have to figure it out with him. Um but there's you, sure have to build a, out there.
1: you have to build around Ben Simmons, and you can't do that when your roster is already set. So for me, I think my final final answer on this is what makes sense to me is Portland midseason. If the, the Blazers are seven eight seed, it it's not going well, and you move Dame for Ben Simmons midpoint of the season by the trade deadline. Portland having a not so good where they might miss the playoffs or something weird is going on there. Yeah. We're not really
0: I'd hope that that Portland potential. could get more with ben because dame's that good but i think that does make that makes a lot of sense and i i actually don't even know if portland was on his list um but we'll see man it's very interesting to to monitor and it's um, gonna be dead
1: for a while too which
0: sucks but yeah yeah but we'll just you know focus on your fantasy football drafts basketball will be here 50 50 and go ahead and so. go ahead
1: and give go ahead and give
0: caleb's new video on darius garland eight watt. yeah i appreciate i appreciate that i i'm uh it's it takes a lot bro like my my laptop's a little slow and i you know iMovie it's kind of clunky but i'm really gonna try to start posting more videos and the you know the more and more i do it hopefully the editing gets smoother but i definitely would appreciate you go over to the youtube like and subscribe like and sh- subscribe to this and obviously if you haven't already go ahead and follow Sergeant and i on twitter We'll be here all off season. We'll be back next week with our small forwards. Um, And I appreciate you you hanging out with us, talking some hoops during this kind of dead part of the season. Appreciate you, bro. Everyone have a good one. Peace.